let the praises ring. Oh Lord my God, in you I put my trust. Oh Lord my God, in you I put my hope. Oh Lord my God, in you I put my trust. Oh Lord my God, in you I put my hope. In you, in you I find my peace. In you, in you I find my
song of adoration to him. I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice to worship you, oh my soul. Jesus, you are and always will be the only one who deserves our praise and our worship. For you have been given a name that is above every name, that at the very mention of your name, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess of things in earth, things under the earth, and things in heaven, that you are Lord to the glory of God the Father. And we worship you today. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We need you to rescue us. Where else can we go to be saved? What other name is there? The scripture says there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. So we exalt the name of Jesus. and We lift him up. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. He said this about how he was going to die, but we know that today if we lift up the name of Jesus, if we honor the name of Jesus, if we praise the name of Jesus, he will draw others to himself. So we welcome you to here today, Lord, by the Holy Spirit. Speak to our lives, speak to our hearts, teach us today. We believe that you have something that you want to say to us today. We continue to worship you now as we give to you of our tithes and offerings. Receive them and give wisdom at, to their use so that your kingdom can be expanded. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
Before we, um, before we look into the word, get into the message, um, we want to take a moment to, uh, to honor our mothers. Um, we're, we just can't express ourselves uh, to, uh, to thank them for all that they've done. And um, it's, you know what? This is going to be profound. If it wasn't for you guys, we wouldn't be here. <laughs> so if I can have, um, if I can have a couple of ushers, Michael and whomever, uh, that might be able to help. Michael. Looks like it's just you, Michael. <laughs> we'd like to give all the mothers in the room a rose. So here's what we'd like to do. Um, if, you're, if your mother is here today, if your mother is here today, I'd like you to come up and get a, a rose so that you can give it to her personally. Okay? If your mother's here today. Now, if there's more than two of you here, you still only get one rose right now. We'll see how they go around. Okay, did, did, is there any mother in the room that didn't get a rose? Put your hand up, please. Every mother in the room got a rose. Okay, is there, um, I guess we're good then. You get one? Okay, I guess we, every, as long as every mother in the room got a rose, that's what we're aiming for. Okay, here's what we're going to do, uh, I, if, if y'all could be seated. I'd, I'd like to have a special prayer for the mothers, and then we're going to watch a, a short video of a song that uh, uh, I think that you'll enjoy uh, about, uh, about mothers, about being a mother. All right? Let's pray. Father... As we read in your word, uh, no one thought more of women than you did. Um, you even thought a lot about a man because you said it's not good for a man to be alone. And so you created for man the, the perfect 
mate. And you said, for this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and, the, and cleave unto his wife, the two shall become one flesh. And out of that, we have children. And we thank you that you cared enough for us as men to realize how much we needed women. And how much we needed mothers. And we thank you for all the mothers that are in this room today. Uh, we pray a special blessing on them. They do so many things behind the scenes and very quietly. And yet they do them out of an incredible amount of love for their families, for their children. And only you know, Father, the rewards that await them for these quiet things that never come out, that are never seen, that are never talked about, and maybe even never thanked, have they, are they ever thanked for them. But you're keeping track, you're keeping score, and there will be rewards for all of the great work these mothers have done. And so we pray for them today. We pray your blessing upon them. May they have a blessed day today as they spend time with their families and with their children. We pray for those who are not going to be able to do that. But I pray because of the rank they hold as mother, they will still have a blessed day. For it's in Jesus' name. Amen. to you, you were pink or blue, and everything I wanted, here's to you, never sleeping through, from midnight till the morning, had to crawl before you walked, before you ran, before I knew it, you were trying to free your fingers from my hand, cause you could do it on your own.
Sorry I didn't hand Kleenex out before we played that song. I apologize for that. Well. There's a... Don't you just wish it was possible? (laughs) Well, happy Mother's Day, ladies. We appreciate you a lot. Children, you're dismissed to go to your uh, to go with Miss Laura. Before I um, before we look into the word today, I would uh, I'd like to maybe offer. A little bit of um, pastorly and or slash fatherly advice. Can I do that? You might as well say yes because I'm. <laughs> um, I. I don't know. I think some may say, "Well, Larry, you you know you're getting older, and as you get older, you, you start to mellow because when you get as you get older, your your perspective on things changes." Um, and, and there may be some of that, but there, I believe a lot of it has to do with um, how much I have been spending time in reading the Word and the words of Jesus and the Gospels over the last couple of years. So here's, here is my fatherly, pastorly advice. And the admission ticket covers this, so there's, there's no additional charge. Um, this is probably the only thing that will remotely resemble a political statement from me in any way, shape, or form. We are in what, has a, what is, in my lifetime, the most... I, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to struggle to find words to describe the, the political atmosphere that we are in right now in this country. Um... It is amazing to me how utterly polarizing uh, it has become, where it is impacting churches, it's impacting brothers and sisters, it's impacting families, it's, it's crazy, it's crazy. And so here is, here's what I have to say. I think this would be a great year for us, for those of us who claim to be followers of Jesus, who by the very nature of being a child of God, we have become a member of a different 
and a better kingdom. I am a member of a different and a better kingdom. My king, my president, is not running for election. He will never be dethroned. He will never have to leave his house. He is always going to be in charge. Now, whether or not I allow him to be in charge of me is a different story. But I will tell you this. I don't care what happens in Washington. My security lies in Jesus. My security, my well-being, my being cared for, my being protected, my national security, my personal security, everything about me lies in the hands of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords who will never have to run for election. And folks, if that's how you feel, then let's start acting like it. And let's start talking like it. And let's start believing like it. And let's start conducting ourselves like it. Do you want to vote this year? Vote your heart out. Vote your heart out. But I'm going to tell you something. And I'm not saying I'm not going to vote. I'll never tell anybody who or what I'm voting for. That's nobody else's business. But I'm going to tell you what. My security lies in the fact that God is my Father and Jesus is my Savior and nothing else matters. This country can fall off the face of the earth and I'm still secure in my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You get where I'm at? Okay? Because I'm a part of a better kingdom with an eternal king and the rest, of the, the rest of the world, they can be at each other's throats, but that's not us. That's not, that's not who we are. That's not who we belong to. We belong to Jesus. And he said, when you're in my kingdom, you do things differently. That's it. Politics are done. Okay? are done. Father, I pray that as we look into your word this morning that you will guide and direct us. That you will open our hearts to hear what you have to say to us. We thank you for the gospel. We thank, the, thank you that you have made us ministers of the gospel. That you have given us the ministry and the message of reconciliation. That God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. We thank you. Open our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> we, are, we are continuing in our, in our study of 1 Corinthians, and today we are in chapter 9. In chapter 9, the Apostle Paul begins to point out to his, the people in Corinth and it almost sounds as though he is, is boasting. And in some ways he is. But he has a point to his, to his boast. 
He talks about the fact that he is an apostle. He talks about the fact that as an apostle, he hasn't <clears throat> always, he hasn't always usurped his authority as an apostle. He hasn't always acted on what are the rights of an apostle. And that in doing that, he has had, there's a motive behind his not doing that. He talks about how some of the other apostles are able to function as apostles because they are cared for by the churches. And that some of them even have wives that they take along with them, and the wives too are taken care of by the churches. He said, I've chosen not to do that. Now, Paul was single at the time, but he could have gotten married any time he wanted. But he chose not to because he wanted to give himself full time to the spreading of the gospel. So I want to read the first, I don't know, 10 or so, 15 verses of 1 Corinthians 9 for you to get this picture. Because at, in the last few verses of the passage, Paul has a reason for saying what he said. And I think in those last few verses, there is a, there's a lesson for us. And we're also going to look in, in the Gospel of John for just a moment at a few verses there that I want to point out to you. So let's look at these first few verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and kind of get the picture of what Paul is talking about. He says, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Which was one of the prerequisites to being an apostle if you went back and looked in Acts chapter 1. One of the things that you had to see was you had to witness the resurrection and you had to have been with Jesus. And of course, although Paul didn't actually see the resurrection, he did see the resurrected Jesus in his vision on the road to Damascus. He said, am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not the result of my work in the Lord, even though I may not be an apostle to others? Surely I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who sit in judgment on me. Do we have the right to food and drink? Do we have the right to take a believing wife along with us, as do the other apostles and the Lord's brothers and Cephas, or Peter? Or is it only I and Barnabas who must work for a living? Now, we know that Paul worked as a tent maker, okay? And oftentimes when there are pastors who are bivocational, they're, the old way of saying is they're tent-making pastors. They, they're, now they've upped the ante and they call us bivocational. Okay? And, uh, which sounds a whole lot more classier than a tent-maker because I don't know anything about making tents, but I do know about being bivocational. All right. Or is it only I and Barnabas who must work for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk? Do I say this merely from a human point of view? Doesn't the law say the same thing? For it is written in the law of Moses, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. 
Is it about oxen that God is concerned? Well, yes, it is, but, it, but it's not. He was merely saying that someone who is working in a particular area expects to get paid or expects to be compensated or cared for. A soldier doesn't fight for free. A guy who works in a vineyard doesn't work there without getting something from it, etc. You get his, his gist. Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yea, yes, it was written for us because when the plowman plows and the thresher threshes, they ought to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? If others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? But we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. You see his point here? He said, I'm going to do anything I can. And what I want us to get out of this this morning is I want us to see that the Apostle Paul, and, and, and I, want this, I want this for us to get this for ourselves. The Apostle Paul was, was ready and willing to do whatever it took. See, whatever it took personally, whatever he could do personally. He, he wasn't telling other people they had to be this way. He said, I'm doing this personally. I did not use this right, the right of apostleship. And folks, I, we need to understand that the apostles in those days were the pillars of the church. Paul even references that in the book of Acts when he talks about he went to Jerusalem and he met with the pillar, the apostles, the pillars of the church, James and John and Peter. These guys had authority. There were miraculous things that were being done, not just by them, but by them as it, so that it would convince others that the word they were speaking to them was the truth. When, when um, Gina read that letter, I read that letter earlier in the week when I got it, I got it from Chris. Um, and, and I read this and I said, I was, first of all, I too was like her. I was upset that, that they were interfered with. But that was exactly what was going on in the early church. Here this lady went and ministered to this lady and she decided that she would like to receive Jesus as her Savior. And then she believed for her to be healed and she lifted her up and she got strength in her legs. Just like Peter and John as they were going to the temple and the man asked them for money and he said, Neither ha I don't have any money but what I have I give to you. Get up and walk and the Bible says he reached down and grabbed him and immediately his feet and ankle bones were strengthened. And this was just a picture of that. And this lady's legs felt strength and she began to walk around. And what happened was people were amazed at the miracle. Tell us more about this Jesus. That's how the early church spread the gospel. That's how it was done. The resurrected Jesus is truly resurrected because here... And these miraculous signs and wonders would happen and people say, there must be something to this. Paul said, I have every right to expect this 
but I did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything, anything. I will put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel. He said, I'm not putting this on the other apostles. This is what I've chosen to do. But I won't do anything to hinder the gospel of Christ. And if that means not taking anything from you and working, I'll do it so that you will, so I will be able to preach the gospel. Don't you know that those who work in the temple get their food from the temple and those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar? In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. But it, I have but I have not used any of these rights. I am not writing this in the hope that you will do such things for me, and I'm not preaching this message in hopes that I don't have to be bivocational. I like being bivocational, okay? I'm called to be bivocational. That is my calling, and I have known that for a lot of years, okay? So this is not a message about I don't want to be bivocational anymore. No, that's not it at all. I'm preaching this message this morning because it's next in line in our, in our series. All right? But he says, I have not used any of these rights, and I'm not writing this in the hope that you will do such things for me. I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of this boast. Now, the boast is not, look at me. The boast is, I don't want anything to change because I don't want anything to hinder the gospel. I want to do this because I want the gospel to go forward in as much power as it can. Yet when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast. For I am compelled. Now I understand what he's saying. Now now I understand. Now this is coming to me. Okay? I get this. I get this part of it. Yet when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, for I am compelled to preach. I get it. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. I get it again. If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If, I, if not voluntarily, I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. So he says, if I do it voluntarily, that's good, I'm, I have a reward. If I don't do it voluntarily and I, and I get paid for it, he said, then I'm simply discharging the trust committed to me, but I have to preach. What then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge and so not make use of my rights in preaching it. I'm only interested in proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to keep that in mind because we're we're just going to take a little interlude here and then we're going to go back to 1 Corinthians. In John chapter 1, the gospel of John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. He was in the world and though the world was made through Him, The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. The word became flesh 
Jesus, Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, I just want to take a moment here because as we get into the, to the rest of this, I want you to understand this. Jesus came into the world. He became flesh and made His dwelling among us. And we've seen His glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full, full, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Now, there are, in, in the... In Christianity, there are, uh, <clears throat> there are, are two types of people. There are those who are f- full of grace, and they're the ones that said, you know what, anything, <laughs> anything's all right. It's okay. It doesn't matter. You just, you know, we're, we're just, we're just gonna, we're just gonna love you. You know, and, and we're just gonna. Everything's cool. Everything's great. Full of grace. And then there are those who are full of truth. Okay? The truth is, 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 the truth is. And sometimes those who are full of just the truth come across as very legalistic. Sometimes those who are so full of grace, they let things slide that Maybe shouldn't slide. But you see, Jesus came and he was full of grace and truth. He was full of grace and he was full of truth. Do you understand what I'm saying? He was full of grace, but he was also full of truth. His neither one of them overshadowed the other. The the grace didn't overshadow the truth, and the truth didn't overshadow the grace. The truth didn't get away in the way of His grace, and the grace didn't get in the way of the truth. He was full of both. I, I, folks, I think, I think that's where we have to be in dealing, and as we get into the latter part of this thing, I want you to see that in, in, as Paul writes. But I, wanted you to, I want you to see that we need to be full of, of grace and truth. We need, to, we need to be full of grace as we are dealing with people who are not believers. We, as we're dealing with people we work with, our, our neighbors, uh, people that we come in contact with in, on a regular basis, people we come in contact all the, all the time. We, we need to be full of grace. I think we, when we're full of grace, we are we're looking at them and we're not judging them by what they look like. We're not judging them by how they behave. We're, we're full of grace. But if we're also full of truth, then we're going, we going to feel compelled at some moment in time to speak to them about the truth. Not the truth about how they're living or how they're behaving or or things like that, but to speak the truth to them about the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Hopefully during all that time we are, we are exemplifying to them and we are living in front of them what it means to be full of grace and truth, what it means to have the Spirit of God living in us. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, not I, but Christ lives within me and the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. The Spirit of the living God living in us is coming out of us. He is living the life of Jesus in our bodies and in front of others. And we are full because the Spirit of God is in us and we are trying to exemplify the Lord Jesus. We are trying to live the life of Christ. We will be full of grace and truth. You see, the perfect example of this is when the, the story that's in the Scriptures that of the, the woman who is taken in adultery. Okay? The woman's taken in adultery. And the, the, and the, the elders of the, of the, is, the elders brought her and they came to Jesus and they, they said, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. You know what that means. It's always interesting to me. Because, and they said, the law says she should be stoned. Is that true? Let me tell you what the law says. The law says that if people are caught in the act of adultery, they both shall be stoned. Huh. Somebody's missing from this picture. I wonder who it could be. Could it have been someone that the elders knew and didn't want to have stoned to death so they just brought the woman? They said to Jesus, she deserves to be stoned to death. And Jesus stooped down and began to write in the sand. Now, I don't know what he wrote in the sand. Maybe he wrote the guy's name that she was with. Maybe he began to list all the sins that these guys were guilty of. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. But at some point in time, Well, he says, who is he of you that doesn't have any sin at all? You cast the first stone. Then he began to write, and I think he was just listing sins. And finally, they were all gone. Now here, okay, he says to her, where are your accusers? She says, I don't have any. He says, full of grace, Neither do I condemn you. Truth. Go and sin no more. See how that worked? Full of grace and full of truth. Okay. Now we're going to jump back. We're going to jump back to 1 Corinthians. 
Though I am free, Paul talking again, though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. Do you see see this? Paul is saying, look, I'm free. I can do anything I want. I'm, I'm an apostle. I have authority. I have a position. I'm... I can exercise all of these rights, he said, but though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone. Why? To win as many as possible. Here was a man, and we're going to see this in a moment. Here was a man that had been so radically transformed by his encounter with Jesus. I don't know, I wish in a way that I had, I had copied it so that we could see this, but I don't know, how many of you ever read or get Spurgeon's daily, um, daily devotional? Okay, did you happen to read it today? Read it today. Because it talks about the, the radical, tra- he, of course Spurgeon says it in, in words that, you know, I can't, I can't hardly repeat the way he says it because he's speaking in an, an old English style, but, but it, he talks about the weight, when the weight of sin is, is lifted off of an individual, there is such an incredible transformation, they oftentimes can't explain what they've experienced. They know that they've experienced it, but they can't explain the experience. It's such a radical transformation to have the, the sin that they've been living with lifted in forgiveness from them and the guilt is gone and they can't quite understand what has happened. They know something's happened and it's pretty profound. but They don't know exactly what it is. Paul has been so radically changed by his encounter with Jesus Christ that he says, Uh, everybody has to experience what I've experienced. Everyone has to know what it means to come before a God who says now you're dead in your trespasses and sin, but if you will trust in what Jesus has done for you on the cross, you will be made alive and your sins will be made forgiven. Everybody needs to know what that feels like. Everybody needs to know the, the incredible euphoria, the the incredible feeling of knowing you are no longer guilty before an almighty God. Everybody should experience that. Hello? Maybe you didn't hear me. Everyone should experience what it feels like to know their sins are forgiven. He says, I'm going to make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. I want everybody to know what it feels like to be free of sin and know that God is, loves them, that God has forgiven them. And he, they are no longer objects of wrath. They are no longer 
dead in their sins, but they are alive unto Jesus Christ. I want everybody to know that. He said to the Jews, he said, when I'm around Jews, I become like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I become like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so that as to win those under the law. Listen to what he says. He says, when I hang around Jewish people, he says, I'm Jewish. I mean, you read Philippians 2 and you know he's Jewish. He says, I was a Jew of the Jews. He says, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He said, I, he said I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. He said, man, I was excelling in things of God far above my contemporaries. I was in it. He said, and I count all of that as garbage because I know Christ. He said, but now, he said, I'm free of all that. I'm free of all of that. And yet, I'm so concerned about my Jewish brothers that if one of my Jewish brothers invites me to his house, and he says, and I go in the house, I know that I don't have to wash my hands and go all through that ceremony. I know that that is useless, but I'm going to do it because I don't want to offend my Jewish brother. I would much rather just wash my hands and become like one under the law. I want to act like a Jewish person around my Jewish brothers so that I will have the opportunity to tell them about this Jesus who has set me free. I will do whatever it is so as to win those under the law. I'm going to start acting like I know I don't have to act. I don't have to be this way, but I'm going to be this way because my main concern is that these people will come to know me, come to know Jesus. He goes on. He said, to those not having the law, that is the Gentiles, I become like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having law. When I'm around the Gentiles, he goes, I act like a Gentile. I don't go through the ceremonial washings. I eat whatever is put before me. I eat, I'll even eat pork. I'll even eat, I'll even eat things that, that, that normally the Jewish people wouldn't even think about eating. He said, I'll do it. If that's what they're having for dinner, man, I'm going to just be, I'm going to be right like them. Now listen what he says. Though I am not free from, though he said I'm under the law, he said I'm not free from God's law. What this does not do, it does not give us license to behave like Gentile, unsaved, unchristian people. It doesn't give us license to do the ungodly and sinful things that they do so that we will win them. It says we can just we can be with them. We can relate with them. We can go to their homes and they won't defile us. And we can eat what's put before us and it won't defile us. And we can be friends with them and we can do all of those things. They start doing things that are illegal. They do things that are immoral. They start doing things that are questionable. We have to draw the line at that. But we, but we still are relating to them. He says, why am I going to do that? Why am I going to do that? He said, so as to win those not having the law. I'm going to act like a Jew to the Jewish people because I want to win them. I'm going to act like one not having the law to those not having the law. Why? So as to win those not having the law. He goes on and he says this, to the weak, I become weak. 
Now, if you were listening in all these other chapters, he spent a whole chapter in chapter 8 talking about being careful not to do certain things that would damage the weak people who were, who were weaker in the faith or who were, who were weak. He said to the weak, he said, I become weak. Why would, why would someone so strong become like a weak person? He goes, because I want to win the weak. I want to win the weak. I want to, weak those, I want to win those under the law. I want to win those who are the Jewish people. I want to win them. Listen to what he says. I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. There's a man who is willing to deny himself, deny deny what he knows is okay to do, deny himself in so many different ways, deny his rights as an apostle, deny whatever it is. He said, I'm just going to... He said, I'm not going to be... I'm free, but I'm not, I'll be a slave to everyone. Why? Because it's imperative to me that everyone I meet, everyone I come in contact with, everyone I relate to, that by all means I might save some. I won't save them all. I won't save them all, but I can save some. I can save some, and they too can experience what it means have their sins forgiven. I do this all for the sake of the gospel that I may last few verses. Do you not run, know that, all, that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. There is a purpose to what I'm doing. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Full of grace and truth. Full of of grace and truth. May we be like Jesus. May we consider the things that Paul says here. I have become all things to all men so that by all means I might win some. Folks, i got to tell you, we... We have an awesome opportunity. We have an awesome message. We have the message of reconciliation. Okay? We have the message of reconciliation. That God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. It is as though God were making His appeal through us. Be reconciled to God. How, how we relate to people, how we Sometimes, I'll tell you, I'm just going to give you very quickly, and then we're done. And I I know what time it is, and I don't want you to be late for your dinner reservations if you have any. But just very quickly, 
uh, about 20 years ago, maybe a little bit more than that, a family moved in across the street. When Mary and I built our house where we are now, there was one house beside us and there were no other houses on the street except way down at the one end. And slowly but surely it began to build up. People began to build houses and a family moved in across the street from us. And they were about our age and we used to, we got to be friends with them and they went through a number of really difficult times. She lost her mother and, uh, and then there were some other things that happened in their family that were just, they were just tragic and Mary and I were, were always there and the, the, the guy and I became good friends and I'd come home from work, he'd come home from work and we'd often meet and literally, literally stand in the middle of the street. We would meet like in the center line of the street in our development and we would, and we would talk and we'd, sometimes we'd, we'd talk and then a car would come and we'd move and they'd go by and we'd come back to the center of the street and we'd stand there and talk and we'd just, we would solve the world's problems. I mean, if, if we had been in charge, this, I'm telling you, the world would have been a different place, okay? I mean, we just, we just solved the world's problem. But we became fast friends. They were, slowly over a period of time, we, be, we began to minister to them in some of their tragedies and some of the things that happened. It took 15 years, 15 years, some of you have heard this testimony, but it took 15 years, on one Sunday morning, sitting right over there, they came to the front, sat, and I went over and knelt in front of them and said, what do you want the Lord to do for you? And they both said, we're lost. Okay, we're lost. And so I had the privilege of praying both of them as they received Christ as their Lord and Savior. They moved away for a number of years. We've always been in contact. They've moved back, and now they've moved only a few short doors down from us, not in the same development, but in the area. But in the meantime, while they were away and distant, they had, obviously, they, had, they went to a different church, and so they continue to go with that, but we're still friends. There's another family they, they live this way from us. There's a family across the street here, which we've also had the opportunity to minister to in tragedy, but the relationship hasn't gone that, to that extent. Okay? But there's another family that's moved in, just a husband and a wife that moved in over here. So we've had three houses across from us. And this guy and I have just hit it off. We've just hit it off. Okay? Now, although there are, in the meantime, all those years have gone by, the, the world's problems have changed. Tom and I are, we're working on them, okay? So I just want you to know, just in case you're worried, Tom and I are working on them again. They, they've been in for about, a, they've been in that house for about a year. And we're building a relationship with them. And I believe that one day, one day, I don't know when, I just know that we never pass up the opportunity to talk with one another. That's what you do. You build relationships with people. And you gain the right to speak into their lives the truth. What do you do? Well, it doesn't matter who they are or what they are. Grace. And then the opportunity comes and you tell them the truth. Full of grace and truth. I have other stories I could tell, but I know it's late. I just want you to hear that. 
because that's what we're about as God's people. That's what we're about. Consumed with others, knowing the feeling and, the, and the, having the knowledge of knowing that their sins have been forgiven. And Jesus is their Lord and Savior. And God, they have found favor with God. They are no longer an object of His wrath, but they are an object of His affection. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today and we just thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus who is full of grace and truth. And Father, we, we just pray for each and every person in this room today. We've already thanked you and prayed for the mothers. We continue to hope that they have a blessed day. But now, Father, we just pray for we just want you to have your way in our lives, Lord. We want to allow you to live your life through us. I, I don't, you know, I don't normally do this, but I just feel that this morning I need to do this. If you just give me a, just give me a moment. Is there anybody in this room today? You've, maybe you've heard this, you've heard other messages, you've heard a number of things. You would be like my friends, Tom and Lynn, who sat over in one of those chairs and just said, we're lost. And, and you, would, you would have to say that. You would just have to say this morning, I'm lost. And I'm going to tell you something. There's an incredible there's an incredible sense when we go from being burdened down with our, with our sin and our guilt. Sometimes we don't even know we're carrying it. And then it gets lifted from us. And there's this, we just know something phenomenal has happened to us. You just say, I I'm lost, but I would like, I would like to know how to meet this Jesus that can that from me. Very privately this morning, I mean, eyes, heads bowed and eyes closed, you would just say, I'm lost and I would like to know more. Would you just lift your hand? I'd like to pray for you. Father, I just want to thank you today. I want to thank you for being here. I want to thank you. I know that you spoke. I know I sensed it, I saw it, I felt it, I knew it. Your Spirit penetrated a heart today. And I just pray that that seed will blossom and grow into fulfillment where Jesus becomes Lord and Savior. Father, I want to pray for the ministries of this church. I want to pray for our missionaries, for Todd and Shelly Marks in the Middle East. We join together with Chris and her team. We join our hearts together, Father, and we come against the enemy who would keep these folks from hearing the gospel and the attempt to snatch away the word from others who have received it. We come against the enemy. We join forces 
The, our, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Lord, we don't fight flesh and blood. We fight in the spiritual realms and we take on that battle today. Lord, we come to you in the name of Jesus and we bind up the works of the enemy. You said whatever whatsoever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven and we bind up the works of the enemy. You said whatever we loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. We loose into that, into that village and into that area where Chris is. We loose the power of the Holy Spirit into that place to overcome the enemy's attempts to keep these folks from hearing the truth. We pray for the prison ministry team, for Brother Art and his team. We pray, Lord. We pray for the transitional center and Lord, it's good news to hear that they're not closing, but Lord, I just pray that they will continue to be a faith-based place. We want to continue to be able to minister there. And you certainly, we certainly hope that you keep that door open for us. We thank you for love serves, and we continue to pray <coughs> that you will use them. Thank you for the opportunity to take a missions trip with them, Lord. We pray that there will be others who will be able to join us in that. And for our daycare, we thank you for it and the good work that it is doing. And now we leave this place. Let us use the rest of this day to bless the mothers. May they have a great day. In Jesus' name, amen.